127. As we look at motherhood, biblical responsibilities and a biblical response. I read a story about a, a little boy who was in a play. And I guess when he was up there on the stage, he forgot his lines. And so his mom was in the front row, you know, trying to coach him and to kind of lip sync what his words were supposed to be. Uh, but he just couldn't get it. His mind was just drawing a blank. And so finally the mom just kind of spoke out loud, I am the light of the world, you know, trying to tire a little boy. And then he got all happy. He's, oh, okay, thanks, mom. And then he said to everybody, my mom is the light of the world. <laughs> Uh, I thought that was funny, but then at the same time when I was reading that, I thought, you know what? Uh, even though we know God is the light of the world, aren't moms a reflection of God in so many ways, huh? You know, your role and your responsibility as a mom, if I could probably say this, I don't know for sure, but I would have to say it's probably the greatest role of all. I would say moms are the bomb. They are. And I think that we need to honor you. I think that we want to encourage you today. Uh, whether your children are young or old, we really got uh, a lot of cool things to study from God's word. You know, there's a word to moms. This is what it says. The moment a child is conceived, so is a mom. The moment a child is given or born, she from that point in time will adorn a new title, a new task, and one day God will ask, were your responsibilities as a mom your priorities? For being a mom is in some ways the highest call of all. But don't worry, moms. You have God's grace, his word, his spirit, and his love. You have all that you need, but please take heed. You raise his kids to live above. Whether your kids are small, whether they're medium, or whether they're old, Moms, we need to fight for our families, and we've got work to do. How awesome it is to be a mom, and how awesome are the responsibilities that come with it, right? You know, it's kind of funny. Not too long ago, you could almost assume that all moms were good moms. There was a time when you could almost assume that, you know, they were just made differently. But times have changed so much with women's lib, with illusions and delusions, confusions regarding the roles in the family you add to that what we find today is a self-seeking society, and what you find is that good moms are sometimes hard to find. And so what I want to do today, you guys, is I want to share with you some biblical responsibilities for moms and then a biblical response. You know, it's obviously not going to be a lesson that can cover everything in depth, but we see that as we go through our study today, there are some basics from the Bible that are fundamentals for every mom. Some of you here are already moms. Some of you here are going to be moms. Uh, some of you here are going to be grandmoms. Some of you here adopt children. And in one sense, you almost play a role of a mom. I think for all of us here, it's very applicable what God says in his word. And we're going to see the first thing we see from the Bible is childbearing. Childbearing. Because look what it says here in Psalm 127 in verse 3. It says, Behold, check it out, look, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one to you. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gates. First thing we see is that children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. And that's not what you'll hear in the world today. You know what the world will tell you today? That children are a burden and not a blessing. Have one, maybe two, but not more than a few. And God says what? In Genesis chapter 1, 26 and 27, be fruitful and multiply. He says right here, notice again, it says the fruit of the womb is what? A reward, right? We as God's people need to be so very careful not to buy the massive lie of the masses, this lie from the father of lies that makes sense only to a selfish, self-seeking society that says children are a burden rather than a blessing from the Lord. No, please understand, you guys, kids, children are awesome. Don't you love them? 
I mean, if you don't love kids, please leave right now, man. I mean, I love the children. Don't you love to see them running around? Yesterday we had dinner over a friend's house, and they have one little boy, he's four, and then another little girl, you know, she's probably like eight or nine. Beautiful kids are awesome. Why is it that nowadays we're living in a society that sees kids only as a burden and not a blessing, which is what the Bible teaches? How ladies, how you need to guard your heart and mind because the world will yell and tell and sell you their lie to have just one, maybe two, not more than a few. But God's word says, listen, something else is true that's diametrically different from the counsel of the world, and that is this, that children are beautiful, that children are a heritage from the Lord. It's the fruit of the womb that's God's reward. You see, we're living in a world that wants to change everything. And you as a woman, as a young lady, I encourage you to embrace your biblical role and responsibility that as a mom you will be rewarded as a wife, as a homemaker, embracing what Almighty God made you to be. This is why some moms are so good at it, almost instinctively. As a matter of fact, the Bible says it's God's recipe for joy. You know, I like what it says, Psalm 113, verse 9. He grants the barren woman a home like a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord, you know? It'll bring joy to your house. I know when my kids were small, didn't you love all the colors? Don't you love all the games? It's a wonderful thing. Yeah, it's a lot of work, but it's a work that's well worth it. What we find is that children are a heritage from the Lord. As a matter of fact, this is heavy. Go over, if you would, to 1 Timothy chapter 2. And he's talking about the women, and he says in verse 15, Nevertheless, 1 Timothy 2.15, She will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. Now what does that mean, you guys? Because ladies, this is God's word. This is God's word, and it says you will be saved in childbearing. What does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean that, you know, having a child brings salvation to your soul. But what it does mean is that facing, embracing, and placing childbearing where it belongs in our hearts, as a high and holy calling that it is, brings satisfaction to your soul. It brings completion to who you are, even a portion of the fulfillment of your salvation. In other words, if I could say it this way, you were saved to be a godly mom. Believe it or not, that's what the Bible says. In childbearing, she will be saved. As Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, therefore, verse 12, you should work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And so uh, the first thing I want to share with you guys, man, is I know the world will take you out on a tangent and you're going to get caught up in the materialism and the self-seeking society, but I want to encourage you, ladies, especially some of you that are younger, to know the joy it will be of being a mom and having kids. Of course, you've got to wait till you get married. That's my encouragement to you. But man, to raise a family will bring the satisfaction of your soul that no other ambition, profession, or any other pursuit could ever bring. You were made to have children. That's what the Bible says. Number one, childbearing. Number two, child caring. And for that, let's go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. You guys awake? Yes. You can go have some food, some menudo. You're not going to make her do anything, are you? One person told me this, and it's the greatest counsel, okay? Do not let mom do anything. Nothing, man. Don't let her wipe the counter. Don't let her cook. Don't let her do anything. You as husbands, you as kids, you do everything today, okay? What we find as we study the Bible is that they are to be honored. And we'll look at that when we get to our biblical response. But right now the priority is childbearing. Number two, child caring. Because look what it says here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7. He says, But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. Now, I don't know about your Bible, but in my Bible, the word mother is italicized. How many of you guys have the word mother 
italicizing the Bible, okay? What that means is that in the original Greek uh, text, it's, it's not there. It's been added by the English translators for clarification. So the text, it really says this. It says, just as a nurse cherishes her own children. In other words, mom is a nurse, you see? She's an RN. She's an LVN. That's who M-O-M, that's who mom is. And if you think about it, you guys, uh, she's pretty much the one who takes care of their feeding, right? She's the one who takes care of their bleeding, and both are necessary for them to live and to grow, right? She's the one that replies to their cries when they're hungering, and usually she's the one that replies to their cries when they're hurting. That's what moms do. You know, it's kind of funny at our house, you know, just to watch my wife, and I know you husbands and you guys, you know, looking at your mom, our moms, we could say the same thing. You know, my wife, Shelly, so naturally, faithfully, consistently, you know, concerned, caring about whether or not the kids eat, what they're going to eat, right? You know, to be honest with you, as a dad, it doesn't even come to my mind. It doesn't really, you know. I just figure, you know what, they can make a sandwich, they can put a, a you know, Pop-Tart in the toaster. I mean, they can fast, come on, they'll live, you know. But to me, it just doesn't matter. But, you know, for her, man, they're always on her mind. They're always on her heart. And when they hurt, the bottom line is, typically kids don't want dad, right? They want mom. Why? Because mom is the nurse, man. <laughs> she's the RN. She's the LVN. You know, it's kind of interesting. Here in verse 7, we were gentle among you just as a nursing mother, a nurse cherishes her own children. The Greek word for cherishes, it means to, to warm. It means to keep warm. And again, that's something I'm not very good at, you know. My children are 16 and 18 now. And, uh, you know, I would never think of asking them if they have a sweater or a jacket when they're leaving the house. I never would, right? But Shelly, my wife, once again, she never fails to ask them, do you have your sweater? Do you have your jacket? You know, and it's always been that way. You know, from the womb where she kept them warm in her womb. And then when they were born, all those blankets that she bundled in them, making them look like burritos, man, you know. I mean, even taquitos sometimes, they were really wrapped so tight that I wondered whether or not they could breathe. But that's what moms do. You see, this is what ladies should do. Childbearing, child caring, tending to them physically feeding them, and when they're bleeding, caring for them like a nurse, keeping them warm. Not all moms do that. Some moms need to be reminded, some need to be taught, but this is what the Bible says. The Greek word right here, it means to do so with tender, loving care. You see, when it comes to caring for our children physically, number one, they need to do it as a nursing mother. Number two, they need to do it as a loving mother. Look over, if you would, at Titus chapter 2. In verse 3, it says, The older woman likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanders, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands and to love their children. The word admonish, literally in the Greek, it means to wake them up. It means to bring someone to sobriety. And this is really what the older women should be teaching the younger women. In the Greek, it's, it's only one word, philotechnos. And what that means is the love of a mother. It's only a mother's love. It's a real unique Greek word, only found here. And I think we know this by experience, but it's so cool when you discover it through the revelation of God that there really is something that is unique to a mother's love. And our kids will never make it without that mother's love. You know, we saw the, the, the video of the mom loving her children through their rebellion. We saw the video there, the, the one thing, loving the kids that are, that are unique, you know, and, and everyone else, maybe they think your, your, your child is, you know, a little different or whatever the case may be, but you love them dearly. Why? Because they're your kid. It's this tenderness of a loving mom. 
You know, what we find is the idea flows that this caring mom for her children nurtures them affectionately, embracing them, meeting their needs tenderly, befriending each one as a unique gift from the hand of God. Now, again, generally speaking, most moms have this special type of motherly love, but I think that not all moms have it all the time, and some moms really need to be reminded, you know what, just love them. You know, and the hard part is, I don't know if moms are as guilty of this as dads are, but dads, you know, we want to fix it. We want to come up with a solution. We want to have, you know, here's the answer, and this is the way I'm going to take care of business. And, and maybe a mom might try to do that too, but now my encouragement to you is to love them. Ask God for wisdom. Yeah, maybe there's a vision and approach that he'll give to you, but your love for them, mom's love, will change their life. So moms need to be taught this, and I think all moms need to be reminded of this. That as moms, you know, they tend to their children, and they, you know, are bred, fed, and led through life by their mom. The true blue love of a mom, then chances are they're going to make it through okay. You know, any guy, any guy, if you're here today, and let me just say a couple of things. If you're here today and your mom's still alive, man, you are blessed. Honor them while they're still alive. And if you're here today and you had and you had a mom who loved you, who loves you, you are rich. You are rich. And you need to know that. You know, it's that love that makes them do a million things. You know, we saw in the video something that, you know, I don't know how it struck you guys, but you know, when the mom she's there and she cleans the whole house, man. You know, and it's just clean, and you guys know how it is. Um, uh, does a million things, and then in comes Dad, and he doesn't say a word of gratitude. You know, and if someone else did that for us, I mean, we'd probably give them money. You know, and the wife say, "Hey, give me some of that, man." <laughs> you know, we, oh, we would say thank you forever. We send them flowers. We give them a card, but ah, it's just mom. Ah, she just did the laundry again. Ah, she just ironed my clothes again. Ah, she just made the food again. Ah, she just cleaned again. When was the last time you thanked her for those things? You know, a real applicable way, I think, of doing Mother's Day, one of the things that we're going to see is, you know, responding to these moms, you guys. You know, we need to elevate them in the family and honor them, honor the role of motherhood in society. And we need to do it in a real tangible way. I mean, you know, take them out to eat today. Cool. You know what? But is that it? Is that all you're going to do? You know, one thing I, I read, and, and I want to challenge you guys, is this, think of all the things that your, your wife does if you're married. Think of all the things she does every single day for you. And write them all down. And let's just say you come up with 30 things, 31 things. And for the next month, you thank her every single day for one of those things. You just go through the whole month and you watch what God will do. You know, because we're going to see today that moms, they need, they need the support of their husbands. They need to be, you know, appreciated. We need to have a response that is proper. Why? Because moms, they do so much. You know, the mother of three notoriously unruly youngsters. I guess they were real, real tough kids. Any of you guys have any of those? Don't raise your hand, okay? <laughs> but she was asked whether or not she would have children again if she had it to do over again. And she said yes, but not the same ones. <laughs> but those of you who are moms, you know that would never, ever, ever happen, huh? Never. I don't care how bad your kid is. You would never say that. Why? Because you have the love of a mother. And you do so much. It's a series of never-ending work and chores and service and tasks that only a mother's love will help you do. It's been said that all mothers are working mothers. Why? Because there's a million things to do. That's why another person said there's no way to be a perfect mother but a million ways to be a good one. Thank you, moms, for all that you do. We know your labor is tireless. As a matter of fact, I read a story about two brothers. One was four and one was six years old. And they went to the store and they bought a plant for their mom. And so they bought the plant back to their mom. And they said, here, mom, this is a plant. We saved up our, our change and we got this for you. 
And, and, you know, Mom, we wanted to get you a nicer one. It had a little ribbon on it that said, you know, rest in peace, but we couldn't afford it. But we thought about all the times that you want peace and you want rest. (laughs) So maybe next time. (laughs) Oh, gosh, our kids are beautiful, aren't they? See, as moms, there's childbearing. As moms, there's child caring. Tend to them physically and tend to them emotionally. If you would, let's go over to Isaiah chapter 66. And there's a principle here woven in this scripture that I think is cool. And sometimes, as moms, you need to get a little creative in order to accomplish this. But it says in Isaiah 66, verse 13, As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you, and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. You see, we need to tend to our children physically. They're feeding. They're bleeding. Keep them warm. Protect them. Direct them. I pray that you as moms would embrace that responsibility. But there's another thing, and it's almost an intangible thing, and I really encourage you to embrace the call to tend to them emotionally. You know, for a lot of moms, it just kind of comes naturally or supernaturally. It's kind of like a sixth sense. But it's interesting to me that in this passage right here, God compares the comfort of a mom to her children as the comfort of God. And there's just something about a mom and the way that she can comfort the hurting hearts that only you can do. You know, there's a reason, and we know this, that God made women different than men. Amen? He did, you know. We have a president right now that's having a lot of confusion with that. And to me, just as a real quick side note here, I think it's wicked. The declaration has been made as really a violation of the family. Please understand this. God invented the family. And when God instituted the family, he made a dad and he made a mom for a reason. What are dads for? Well, you hop on pop, right? I mean, they're rough and they're tough, right? But what are moms? Moms are usually softer, gentler. There's a reason they cry a little easier, because mom made them, God made them different than dads. Moms are supposed to be the tender gender, and when their child's heart is hurt by those big bad bullies, by those so-called friends, when they get hurt by the daily distribution of heartache after heartache that this world gives them, mom is called to comfort her kids. To keep them warm, not only physically, but emotionally. Why? Because the world that we live in, the world that they go out there and they face every day, is a very cold, cold world. And Jesus said in Matthew 24, 12, that it's going to get colder. You know, I think that as moms, some of you, you know, you maybe it comes naturally. But I want to encourage you moms, you know, to really, you know, just maybe ask questions. Maybe Offer suggestions. Your kids always, won't always tell you when something's wrong. And so it takes some prayer. It takes some discernment. And you, as a mom, you minister to their hurting hearts. You, as a mom, be the one to comfort them when they're crying on the inside. Why? Because that's what moms do. Moms tend to their children physically. And we see it. Moms tend to their children emotionally and how they need you. But primarily we see in the Bible that moms tend to their children spiritually. And we'll go back to Proverbs, if you would. Proverbs 29. Notice what it says here in Proverbs 29, verse 15. And there's a lot in the Proverbs. I encourage you to read this, man. But it says, The rod and rebuke, they give wisdom. But a child left to himself brings shame to who? His mother. A child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Let me give you five things that you need to do as a mom, according to the Bible, when you tend to them spiritually. Number one, discipline them. Discipline them. You know, in most families, we know that the father is the primary disciplinarian due to his general strength and sternness. 
But this verse right here implies that moms need to be involved in the disciplinary process as well, that moms should not always wait till their father gets home. <laughs> that moms need to work on their swings, if you know what I mean. Um, that moms need to take that rod of correction to the seat of understanding. And if you're here today and you don't have a paddle, let us know. We'll give you one, okay? <laughs> Make sure you never bruise your kids. Make sure you never hit them with your hand. But you take this extra padding right here and you establish the authority. Why? Because that's what you're called to do. We see and we read the Proverbs that when you discipline your children at an early age, you spare them from hell. That's how massive this is and that's how important it is. We see in our text here that moms have a part in verbal correction and corporal punishment. How many of you here, just out of curiosity, you got walloped by your mom growing up, man? You know, and maybe they didn't know how to do it because I know some of you got socked in the face, you know? <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about at all, okay? You're going to get arrested for that, right? But right here, you guys, that's what it's for. That's what it's for. And what you, uh, what you get is God's wisdom. You take that rod of understanding to the seat of correction and don't be afraid. You know, take aim, man. Or experience the shame that is said right here in verse 15. The rod and rebuke, they give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings what? Shame. Shame. Shame to his mother. And you can't neglect them. A child left to himself is one who just, oh, well, you know, they just kind of get away with whatever. And if you don't establish the authority and the control over your children, guess what? They will over you. They'll dominate you. They'll lead you as a kid. They'll tell you everything. They'll tell you when to pick them up. They'll tell you everything. And that's why it's important when you tend to them spiritually that you discipline them. As a matter of fact, it's important to do it at a very young age. Look at Proverbs 13, if you would. Some of you here, you still have your kids young. Uh, some of you here, you're going to have kids pretty soon. All of us here can be counselors. And here in Proverbs chapter 13, notice what it says in verse 24. It says, he who spares his rod, ooh, hates his son. <gasps> you're here and you're like, you know what, I don't do that. You know what the Bible says then? You hate him. You hate him. It says right here, but he who loves him disciplines him when? Promptly. Promptly. Now that word in the Hebrew, it means not only swiftly, but it means primarily early. Early. You do it early in life before it's too late. And it's so important that you as moms understand this while your children are young. Because when they're young, there's a greater hope for you to establish discipline within them, instill that as a mom and give them the character that they need to go and live life in. And I read this poem, and I want to read it to you guys. Really listen to it uh, if you can, because uh, you kind of got to follow carefully. It says this, I took a piece of plastic clay and idly fashioned it one day. And as my fingers pressed it still, it moved and yielded at my will. I came again when days were past. The form I gave it still it bore. And my fingers pressed it still. I could change that form no more. I took a piece of living clay and gently formed it day by day and molded with my power and art a young child's soft and yielding heart. I came again when days were gone. It was a man I looked upon. He still that early impress bore, and I could change him never more. You see, when they're, when they're young, they're impressionable. They're like a soft piece of clay that you could mold with a godly character. And that's why you have to start early. Because when they get older, it's tough. Now, I'm not saying it's impossible. It's never impossible. And we need to fight for our families. But if you are going to tend to your children spiritually, you need to make sure, number one, that you discipline them. You establish that authority. Number two, the second thing we see in the Word is that you teach them the Bible. 
Proverbs chapter 1, if you go back to chapter 1, verse 8, notice what it says. It says, My son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of who? Your mother. Your mother. See, it's not just the dad that teaches. It's also the mom. It's not just the church that's responsible to teach our children. I would even say this. It's primarily the mom. In all reality, now don't get me wrong, dad has their part, but here's the bottom line. Most moms spend most of the time with their children, at least they should. And with that time, you've got to make the time and take the time to teach them the Bible. What should I teach them, Manny? Teach them from Genesis to Revelation. Teach them systematic theology. Teach them about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them about the last days. Teach them about everything in life. You know, we see the world that we live in, and they've got a curriculum. They've got a curriculum from K to 12. Why don't moms? You see, when you tend your children spiritually, you've got to discipline them. That's the responsibility that moms have, or you're going to bring shame to yourself. Secondly, you've got to teach them the word so that they won't forsake the law of their mother. Of course, we know it's verbal instruction, but let me tell you something, man. You will undo everything you say if you don't live the life as a mom. You will do more damage than good if you are not consistent in your conduct and character as a mom. Proverbs 31.1, it says the words of King Lemuel, which most people believe is Solomon, it says the utterance which his mother taught him. See, Solomon learned the word, man, from his mom. What's the best academy? A mother's knee, right? Where she teaches them the word. And you hear about Chuck Smith, and you hear about all these guys. But at a very young age, man, Chuck Smith learned how to read. With the Bible. And this is why this homeschool thing is so awesome. It's so awesome because you get to teach your children all about God in every subject. Because, you you know, you weave it in. It's just a beautiful opportunity. But you teach them the word of God. And then thirdly, you train them in the way. If you would, let's go over to Proverbs 22. And notice what it says in verse 6. It says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. See, training is different than teaching, huh? Wouldn't you say? Training carries the idea of taking the lessons they've been taught and now learning how to live them out. Teaching is interpretation while training is application. And moms need to learn how to teach their children and how to train their children. Which, by the way, it's kind of cool the way that all these things work. You can't train them unless you've taught them. And you can't teach them unless you've disciplined them. Unless you've established that authority. How many of you here, just out of curiosity, when you were in high school... You had a substitute teacher that came in one day, and it was chaos. Have you guys ever experienced that? You had a good time, huh? Man, we had some substitute teachers, and I can't believe how bad it got. They were throwing things at him. Everybody was talking. Nobody was learning anything, right? And that's the way it will be, really, truly in your home. If there's no order, if there's no structure, if there's no authority, if there's no discipline, then there will be no teaching. And if there's no teaching, there will be no training. And when he is old, he will not go the way of the Lord. You see, we've got to do things God's way. We have to discipline them. We have to teach them. We have to train them. And, you know, I'm not saying that these things are necessarily in order, but the fourth thing is that we need to pray for them. Pray for them. First Samuel chapter 1, verse 27. You guys remember that prayer of Hannah? And I just like taking a half a verse, and we know that this is something moms need to do. Pray for them. She said, for this child, I have prayed. Now, I know that a lot of you moms here 
are so faithful at this. Some of you are. But I have a feeling that some of you aren't. And, you know, I mean, what hope, you know, do our children have if, if mom is not praying for them? It's so important that you pray for your children. I want to encourage you as moms, you go home and you learn how to discipline your children. You go home and you ask God, give me a, a curriculum for my kids. I can teach them from Genesis to Revelation, teaching them the word. You as moms, you ask God for wisdom, you know, to pray for your children. And you've got to find the time. You've got to make the time. One lady said this, when you were small and just a touch away, I covered you with blankets against the cold night air. But now that you are tall and out of reach, I fold my hands and cover you with prayer. Abraham Lincoln wouldn't have been the man he was without the prayers of his mom. He said, I remember my mother's prayers. And they have always followed me. They have clung to me. C.H. Spurgeon, he said, I cannot tell how much I owe to the prayers of my mother. I'm telling you this. The prayers of the moms make all the difference in the world. One guy, Lauren Sani, he's of the ministry of the Navigators, a very powerful ministry. He once wrote of his mother, My mother gave birth to me in the frontier house on a Midwestern prairie. On the kitchen counter, she placed a list of the ingredients necessary for my formula. At the top of the list was prayer, and that remained at the top of her list for me throughout her life. I have her to thank for firmly establishing my spiritual roots. And you can go after every man. And, you know, they say that behind every man is a a great woman, well, I would say the same thing for these godly children. You know, and sometimes it's the kids and you get them when they're young, but whatever you do, never, ever, ever give up. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, oh, man, I blew it. My kids are older. It's not too late. If you're still alive, you can still pray with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength, right? The other day I was talking to Shelly and I said, you know what? I think I'm going to get a tattoo right here, right? And so some of you are, no, man, don't get a tattoo. But I told her I'll start working out with my bicep a little bigger, right? <laughs> and then I'm going to get Nehemiah 414 on my bicep. It says, fight for your families, for your household, for your wives, for your children. And I don't know any greater way than to pray, right? And to live the life. So important, moms, that you understand that. You know, the last thing, intending to them spiritually, is make sure you have a genuine faith. Go over to 2 Timothy chapter 1, if you would. In verse 5, Paul is writing to Timothy, and he says, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith, and I like that, the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Notice how that works, you guys. Now, again, I'm not sure in all the, 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 the details of this, but I do see three generations. I see the grandma. She had a real faith. I see her daughter. She had a real faith. And then I see the son. He had a real faith. It was a genuine faith. And that's why, you know, it's important that, you know, you make sure that we make sure, you guys, that it's not just a religion, that it's not just a Sunday thing, that it's not just a, a church thing, that it's not just a superficial thing. Because you want to know something? Kids will see through that. I don't care how often you go to church. They'll see right through that. They can see through the artificial. When it's a genuine faith, when it's real, when you're serious, when you're sold out and surrendered, when you're completely consecrated as a mom to the kingdom of God, then they'll see it. And you watch what God will do generation after generation after generation. What a difference the true faith of a mom makes. There's nothing like it. 
And I read a story about a couple of college students that went to go hear Robert Ingersoll. Apparently, he was a notorious skeptic. He was a, a man who, yeah, that Christianity stuff, it's not true. So a couple of college students went to go hear him. And after the lecture, they walked down the street, and they were talking to each other. And one guy said to the other, well, I guess he just proved that Christianity is not true. To which the other college student said, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. Unless he explains my mother's life. Until he can explain the way that my mom loved me. The way my mom loved God. I will continue to serve the Lord. You see what an impact a mom makes. I think you guys have heard the story of Dr. G. Campbell Morgan. He was a great preacher. And he had four sons. And they were all preachers. And so one day, this guy came over, and they were all in the family room, the four sons, all preachers, G. Campbell Morgan, great preacher, and mom. And so this guy comes in, he asks one of the sons, his name is Howard, he says, hey, let me ask you a question. He's kind of wanted to put him on, you know, on, 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 the, on the edge. Which one of you is the greatest preacher? And so Howard, he looked at his dad, and then he immediately looked at his mom, and he said, she is. And it's true, huh? Oftentimes we see the love, we see the life, we see the message that comes through. And I'm telling you this, if it's true, the message will come through loud and clear. Why? Because it's a genuine, it's a genuine faith. And so my encouragement to you ladies, my encouragement to you moms, you know, it's never too late. I know sometimes these things apply in different ways. But please understand what the Bible teaches. Don't listen to the lies of Lucifer and what this world is trying to stuff down your throat, man. I encourage you to know, number one, the importance of childbearing. Number two, the importance of child caring. And then number three, the importance of child sharing. And let me tell you what I mean by that, okay? What I mean is this, is that we raise them up to send them out. You know, unfortunately, we can't keep them to ourselves. I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> you know, my son's 16 now. My daughter's 18. It's not right. I thought I had a deal with the Lord that said, you're going to come back before this happens, you know. <laughs> but um, we can't keep them to ourselves. And I know, it's, I know I'm crying. It's not that bad, you know. I know this is God's plan. I, I know it. But I just hate the thought of not having my children with me daily to protect and direct, to enjoy, you know, my boy, my tennis. To kiss my daughter on the forehead. And tell her I love you, but we got to let him go. And I know moms, you know, you can have a hard time with that sometimes. But we got to know that part of the objective of parenting is to prepare our children for independent adulthood. You know, another way to put it is it's about receiving children from God, prayerfully becoming believing children of God, and then eventually leaving children of God. They've got to go and they've got to be who and where they were called and created to be. It's all part of God's plan. You know, we read earlier in Psalm 127, verse 4, that they're like arrows in the hand of a warrior. You know, and the day must come where you take that arrow out of that quiver and you shoot it as far as it goes and it does his or her job in this great battle in the kingdom of God. You know, for some it's hard to let them go, huh? For some of you it's not so hard, right? <laughs> it kills you to see them grow up, but I guess it also kills you if they don't. <laughs> 
but we got to let him go, you guys. You know, whatever you do, don't raise him to be a mommy's boy. Don't keep her dependent upon you because you really want him or her to be controlled by you. It's the worst thing you can do. Remember, you guys, they're different than you, and there's a big difference between counseling them and teaching them to follow God and controlling them and teaching them to follow you. You see, we as moms, you as moms, you've got this child, you know, bearing, child caring, and child sharing. And one day you're going to stand before God when you know it so clearly what you're supposed to do in life. And you will be blessed. You know, the dividends of being a mom, there's no comparison to the way that your children, and I've noticed this, you know, I've noticed this because my kids are getting older. They know mom loves them. They know it. They know it. And that will last for the rest of their life. You see, we have the biblical responsibility of moms, and I want to encourage you moms to embrace that. Real quick, let me give you guys a biblical response to moms. Honor them. That's it. Honor them. The commandment is repeated eight times in the scriptures from Exodus 20 to Ephesians 6. And that goes for children. Some of you children here, you know what? And I don't want to be mean or anything, man, but it's pathetic how some children do not honor their mother and father. You know what? That's your mom. She's the one that gave birth to you. She's the one that has loved you unconditionally. She hasn't been a perfect mom because there's no such thing. But that's your mom. You honor her respectfully. And the word honor, it means to have high respect, a deep esteem. Secondly, a biblical response is to honor them financially. And really this is the heart of the original commandment. You know, when a mom gets older, maybe dad passes on. Children are to take care of their moms financially. And you honor them. As a matter of fact, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, it says, if you don't honor your mom financially, then you are worse than an unbeliever and you've denied the faith. So you honor your mom. And you do so respectfully. You do so financially. And then thirdly and most importantly, you do so spiritually. You know, even my mom, you know, when I was uh, little, from what I understand, um, my mom didn't really become a Christian until after I became a Christian. But I think in one sense, you know, she, she, she had this, you know, as a Catholic relationship with God. She would always pray for me. She would always pray for me. And your moms, they're praying for you. What are they praying for you? What do they want? most out of you as their children. What they want most is to serve the Lord. And that's how you can best honor your mom who was praying for you when you were just a kid. You honor them how? Serve the Lord. That would be the greatest thing you could ever give to your mom. I don't care how nice the restaurant is you're going to today. I don't care what the gift is that you have planned for your mom. You honor her spiritually, how? By serving the Lord. How important motherhood is, honey. It's a good hood, man, to be raised in, right? (laughs) I mean, I can't think of anything more important than moms. Um, You know, I, I know that I think of dads, but of the two, I might have to say that mom is probably the most influential. My encouragement to you as moms is to be caught up in child-bearing, child-caring, and child-sharing. May God help us to learn and live the biblical responsibilities and response of and to motherhood. Remember what they said. The moment a child is conceived, so is a mom. The moment a child is given or born, So is a mom. She, from that point in time, will adorn a new title and a new task. And one day, God will ask, were your responsibilities as a mom your priorities in life? 
For being a mom is in some ways the highest call of all. But don't worry, moms. You have God's grace. You have God's word, his spirit, and his love. You have all that you need, but please take heed to raise his children to live above. And so, Lord, I thank you so much for allowing us to study your word, Lord. And thank you for the moms here. I pray you would encourage them, bless them. Be with everyone here, the surrogate moms, the grandmoms. Lord, I pray that it would just be an eye-opener, Lord God. It's all part of your kingdom. It's all part of what you want to do. Because there is a war going on. They're fighting for our children too. So help us as moms. Help us as dads. Help us as soldiers in this war. Lord, I pray that as we partake of communion today, Lord, that we would just be filled with your Holy Spirit and to know that the cross where our Savior died, where you, Jesus, laid down your life, is the cross that we also must carry to deny ourselves and to follow you. Lord, I pray that as we partake of communion together, that every one of us here, myself included, would search our hearts. If there's anyone here headed for hell, that they'd wake up. If there's anyone here playing games as a Christian, that they'd wake up. Lord, for all of us here, I know there's more. I know it goes deeper than where we are. And so, Lord, I pray, help me to search my heart. Help me, Lord. Bless this time of communion. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to partake.